Amazing, amazing. Um, good afternoon, friends. My name is Wale Egbaje, and I am one of the curates here at HTB, and I will be preaching um, today. Before I actually dive into my talk, I just quickly want to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this room. We thank you for how you're even touching hearts who are streaming in right now. And God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us afresh. Would you come and pour out your wisdom? And would you come and pour out your understanding? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so today, I would like to start us off with a question. And my question is this. Have you ever been humbled before? Have you ever had someone bring you back to earth and put you in your place? Perhaps a spouse, <laughs> perhaps a parent, a sibling, or even a teacher, or perhaps even your boss. Several years ago, this happened to me. I um, remember there was a time I, I, I decided to do some shopping, and I went to a particular shop. And I stumbled across um, this white kind of like biker jacket. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a really cool jacket. Let me try it on. So I, I tried it on, and I looked at myself in the mirror. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I look amazing. <laughs> Honestly, those are my thoughts. I was like, I look amazing. This jacket suits me so well. And um, I bought the jacket, and I just thought to myself, I need so many people in my world to see how amazing I look in this jacket. So I was thinking, where on earth can I go to where people will see how, how good I look as well in this jacket? And it hit me. I was like, I can go to church. Obviously, Sunday best is a thing. So a few days later, um, I woke up bright and early on Sunday morning, and I, you know, I had my fit ready, I had my jacket ready, and I was like, oh, yes, Wally, today's the day. <laughs> and I, I made my way um, to church, and, I, and as I was making my way to church, um, I started, you know, I started thinking about the different compliments I will receive. Don't act like it's just me, okay? <laughs> I'm here to confess my sins, but anyway. <laughs> but I started thinking of the different compliments I would receive when people see me in this jacket. And I started preparing some of my responses. <laughs> and, and I could just imagine people saying, oh, Wale, your jacket is so cool. And I'll be like, oh, this oh, old thing, you know. I just, I just put it on, you know. I was in a rush. I just put on anything. And um, as you can imagine, I walked into the church, and yes, people um, started complimenting me. I was like, oh, it's nothing. Like, you know, it's an old jacket and stuff. And I walked down through the aisle, and one of my friends stopped me. And he was like, Wale, your jacket. And I was like, well, you know. <laughs> and he said, Wale, your jacket is not humble. And you know when someone just bursts your balloon? That's what happened to me in that instant. And he was like, Wale, your jacket is not humble. And I realized in that moment what I was doing. I realized in that moment that obviously I was trying to wear this jacket to get other people to notice me. 
And actually, the words of my friend reminded me simply that my value doesn't come from what I wear. It doesn't come from my appearance. It's, it's okay, it's great to look nice, but our value, our esteem doesn't come from what we wear, from what we look like. I was trying to be noticed. I was trying to get noticed by others. And in Luke chapter 14, it tells an, it tells an account of where Jesus is dining at the house of a prominent Jewish religious leader. And Jesus as well is noticing how other people are trying to grab for attention. Scripture says other people are competing, are vying for the seats of honor. And when Jesus sees that, he shares this story with them. In Luke chapter 14, verse 8, he says these words. He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Sharp words from Jesus. And I think there's a few things that we can learn on the topic of humility from these words. First of all, humility does not take the best seat. At every wedding, there are two groups of people. There are two groups of guests. The first group are those who are your loved ones. You are excited to see them celebrate your big day with you. You love them. You're, you're friends with them. And the second group are your annoying cousins that you can't stand, but your parents forced you to invite them. And these cousins are not even biologically or lawfully related to you. <laughs> but somehow, when you look through the pictures of your past birthdays, they are in every picture eating your cake. We all have those cousins. <laughs> but let's say in a normal wedding reception, let's say there's 20 tables. And your table, the high table, if you're getting married, is table number one. Those who you love, those who you affirm, those who you, ex who you are excited to celebrate your big day with, I can presume that you would put them close around you. You would put them in table two, three, or four. But the cousins that you can't stand, you would put them on table 20. <laughs> far away from you so they're not a distraction. But imagine this cousin, cousin from table 20, decides that, actually, I don't like my seat. I want a better look of what's going on. And imagine if cousin 20 decides to come all the way to the front, sees the high table, table one, and decides to take the seat of your best man or maid of honor. I could imagine you being like, bro, what on earth are you doing? You need to get up. This is not your seat. This seat is designated for my best man. Please go back to your seat. And during all of this, 
you know, said cousin goes back to his originally appointed seat back on table 20, only to find that his seat has been taken by his younger sisters plus one, Sheila, who wasn't even invited to the wedding in the first place. So now cousin from table 20 has to eat his food on his lap, all because he pushed his way forward. And as comical as this sounds, we do tend to do this in everyday life. For example, in our careers, we over-exaggerate what we have done and we overstate our accomplishments. On social media, we are eager to show off our new gym gains and to show off our latest holiday trip. Or maybe you want to use viral sound so you can get more people to see your videos. With our kids, we boast to our friends or enemies the university offers they got. And even in Tesco, we cut the lines, we, we cut the queues at the self-checkouts, even though we saw the line. And in our own ways, we all try to take a seat of honor, esteeming ourselves over those around us. And in James 4, James sees how the early Christian community are adopting some of the unhealthy, competitive culture from the world. And he calls this friendship with the world. So much so, he says clearly, he says, you guys scheme, you kill, you fight, you wage war against each other just to get what you want. And he says, the reason you don't get what you want is because, first of all, you don't ask God for what you want. And second of all, when you do ask God for what you want, you don't ask with the right motives because all you want is pleasure. And in James chapter 4, verse 6, he says these words. He repeats the words from Proverbs, I believe. He says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace or shows favor to the humble. You see, these early Christians believed that in order for me to get what I want, in order for me to get ahead, they believed it was okay for them to do, what, to, to, to do whatever they could do, even if, if it was at the detriment of other people. They were willing to pay the cost, even if it was at the detriment of other people. They needed to do this. This is what they believed they needed to do. And they became so self-reliant. They became so fueled by their own strategies and agendas, rather than trusting God. And often, pride is manifested in self-reliance. It is manifested when we rely on our own resources, when we are reliant on our own abilities and decisions rather than trusting God or even asking him for his insight. In other words, when we, when we decide to take matters in our own hands, becoming the, Lord of the, of, becoming the Lord of our own lives, and making assumption that I know what's best for me rather than God. You see, pride is the opposite of dependency. It is the opposite of trusting God. And Jesus himself 
the Son of God, he says these words in John chapter 5, verse 30. He says, I can do nothing on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is, is just, fair, righteous, and unbiased. Because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of, of him who sent me. Even Jesus himself dared not do anything without the instruction or the will of his father. And when we make a habit of becoming self-reliant, when we make a habit of doing things in our own way, on our own accord, James uses these dramatic words in James 4 verse 6. He says, God opposes the proud. You can almost take the word proud and says, God opposes the self-reliant. In other words, he battles against the agendas of those who boast in themselves. And it also aligns with our Luke text for today, where Jesus says he humbles them. He humbles those who try to exalt themselves. He brings them low. And it's often because in these situations where we have been humbled, we get to see our need for God. There's so many accounts in the Old Testament where the Israelites, where they, 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 where they had to be humbled, where they had so much wealth and excess, and as a result, they, their hearts got boastful. Their, heart, their hearts were, um, were separated from the Lord. So there were so many times where the Lord had to humble them and before the Lord they could see their spiritual brokenness and their need for him. And that's what the Lord does. He humbles so, he, so we can reveal, so, so to reveal our need for him. But James also says this in verse 6. He says, God gives grace to the humble. As one writer says, God animates the life of the humble. He fuels their life. Similar to our Luke text where it says in verse 11, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who recognize their own limitation, that don't push their way forward, that don't push themselves forward, that don't believe the lie, that that their value comes from their status, from their job, from their position, from their influence, appearance, and wealth, or even the clothes they wear. And those who are willing to learn from God and to be open to his leading will be exalted. So humility does not take the best seat. And secondly, humility brings healing. A verse that's been on my heart recently is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where the Lord says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, this was a promise that God gave to the people of Israel, those who call him by his name. He's saying, if my people will humble themselves, if they, if they will acknowledge their sin before me, if they recognize the, the depth of their need for me and turn away from their sin, I will forgive them and I will heal the land. 
God intervenes and he rescues the humble. And it reminds me of some other words that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 5, verse 32. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not to those who think they are righteous, not to those who think they are carried essentially, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. So many of us, I believe, can find healing, can find the forgiveness that we so earnestly desire if we are willing to humble ourselves before God. If we are willing to admit that, okay, I am not okay, my marriage is not okay, I'm still battling a lot. If you are willing not to deny your situation or perhaps the opposite, be overly confident in your abilities, the Lord is able to partner with you and, to trans- and do a work of transformation in you and through you. Amen. And, in, and from Luke chapter 4, um, from Luke chapter 14, verse 12, going back to our reference text, Jesus gives more of a picture of what humility looks like in the area of our relationships. He says this. He says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brother or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus essentially has given us more of a picture of what humility looks like in our world. He is saying, do not only associate with those who can benefit you, who can give you something For example, I have never heard someone say, I like hanging out and socializing with this person because they are boring. I've never heard someone say that. Or I've never heard someone say, I like doing business with this person because they drain my money. (laughs) Like We don't say those things. Many of us, we like to socialize with those who are fun, who will show us a great time. We like to network with those who can help us achieve our dreams. We like relational dynamics that enrich us on a variety of different ways. But the way of Jesus is serving those, relating to those, and loving those who can't afford to pay you back, who can't afford to esteem you in any type of way reaching those who are marginalized socially, physically, and economically. For many of us, I'm sure we can all think of people who are on the fringes socially. Maybe that colleague in the lunch hour that no one speaks to because everyone finds it a bit awkward. That person might be on the fringes socially. Or maybe on the fringes physically, we might know of people that because of their health, they can't be as active as everybody else. And they often feel neglected and isolated. Or maybe we know people on the fringes economically, because of their financial situation, they can't afford to do the same things others are doing. And these are the people that Jesus says prioritize relationally. But if you're anything like me, we do the opposite. 
sometimes and often we can't be bothered. We see it as a burden. But when it comes to humility, I think humility is not about what's in it for me, but it's more about what's in it for them. A few months ago, Archie, our vicar, he shared an incredible talk called Light Up London, encouraging us what it means. He was encouraging us to imagine bringing the light of Jesus to our city, to a city we call home. And those words took so much resident in my heart. <laughs> and when I think about Jesus's picture of humility, I can't help but wonder whether his words, it doesn't just have to be a figure of speech. Maybe when he actually says the word dinner, we use it as a form of practical aid. Dining with those who have been marginalized. Just imagine how that could be a witness in a city like ours, a city like London, where Christians all around the city start inviting, start having dinner with those, or perhaps start inviting um, those people for dinner who have been marginalized, those people that everyone else will almost do like a double take and like, well, why, why are y'all hanging out, you know? Why are you guys interacting with each other? You see, humility pays the cost. It pays the cost even when people can't afford to pay you back, even when people can't afford or do not, do not have the resources to enrich your life. And this is what Jesus did for ourselves. In John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18, Jesus says these words. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So Jesus, fully secure in his security, having all authority in heaven and on earth, sacrificially laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for those who are spiritually broke, for those who are unable to pay him back in any type of way. And he lavished his love on us when he died on the cross, granting us the forgiveness of our sins. And as believers, as those who are called followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to resemble Jesus, the humble one. Jesus, who esteemed himself, who esteemed others before himself. And when we do this, when we find our security, our worth in Jesus, we have this great opportunity to serve others. We have this opportunity to serve others even if they don't bring anything back to us. And we give them an opportunity to encounter the same transformative love that set us free. And Jesus does say in Luke 14, at the end of this story, Luke 14 verse 14, he does say that this type of life where you prioritize those on the margins, he says this type of life is costly, but he does give us a promise that we will be fully repaid back when there's the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, when he returns again, we will fully be repaid 
back. And that is my prayer for us today, that we will live lives that represent Jesus, the humble one. In Jesus' name, amen.